This morning, I'd like to begin a uh, new series of sermons from the book of Colossians. The ancient city of Colossae was located about, oh, 120 miles east of Ephesus. And in the 4th and 5th centuries B.C., it was really the commercial center for that part of Asia Minor, modern-day uh, Turkey. But as uh, the Romans began to conquer the world and infiltrate that area, for whatever reason, Colossae lost its importance. And it kind of gave way to a couple of neighboring cities just to the north of Colossae. A couple of cities you've probably heard of, at least I know you've heard of one, Laodicea in Hierapolis. And so by the time the first century arrives, Colossae is not as large, it's not uh, as prosperous, it does not have the commercial influence that it had enjoyed previously in its history. But the gospel was proclaimed and preached in Colossae. And so we know that uh, there was a church there and a local congregation there, and Paul wrote to that church. Now this picture you see um, on, on the screens is what Colossae looks like today. A sign and a mound. That's it. Lori and I had an opportunity to visit uh, Colossae uh, in the summer of 2018, just this past year. And unfortunately, it is one of those sites that Again, for whatever reason, not many are interested in. So there's never been any funding, never really any interest in doing archaeological work in Colossae. And I just hope that someday maybe someone will provide the funding and be interesting to learn um, or to know what we might learn from what is under that mound. But fortunately, we do have the letter that Paul wrote to those Christians in Colossae, and we can excavate it as best we can to learn about Jesus, to learn about what God's will is for our lives. And so this morning we want to uh, begin uh, this new series. And if you were here last week, you might remember that I, I challenged us all to have a verse of the year. And I shared with you that my verse of the year, uh, the verse that, that I am trying to memorize, that I am spending a lot of time with, that I hope to recite and think about every day this year, is Colossians 2.8. And I think it is one of the, the theme verses in this little letter. And if you turn over there for just a minute, you'll see that Paul offers this warning, or he writes of this warning, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and hollow uh, deception or tradition that depends more on human tradition and the in elemental spiritual powers of this world rather than on Christ. And so a lot of discussion focuses around the warning of this particular verse. 
The Colossians are warned not to be enslaved by worldly philosophy. And Paul goes on to uh, describe that philosophy. It's empty, it's phony, it's humanistic, and it belongs to this world. And so whatever this philosophy is specifically, it marginalizes the magnitude of the mission of God that that Greg has reminded us of this morning. And it promotes secular worldviews rather than of Christ. And so based on that warning, right, and based upon that concern that Paul had for uh, these Christians in, in probably a, a smaller kind of, of congregation, as they are being tempted to at best, maybe mix a little humanistic philosophy with Jesus. The theme then becomes Paul discussing and promoting the supremacy of Christ. And we'll see that especially in two weeks when we get to verse 15. And so I might offer this brief uh, outline after an opening greeting, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 12 this morning, or 1 through 14, but especially verses 10 through 12, as Paul typically does in his letters, he begins with the theological, or what we might call the doctrinal. And in this opening section, talks about what Christ did for us. Again, the, the supremacy of Christ in creation. And then when we get to chapter 3, he moves to the very practical and, and talks about what Christ intends to do through us, the submission of our lives to Christ uh, in, in daily life. And so again, as we work our way through this little letter, reflecting upon who Jesus is, the supremacy that Christ is to have in our lives, the supremacy that Christ does have in, in all of creation. So let's go back to chapter 1. And before we, we really focus upon uh, verses uh, 10 through 12, I do want to call attention or point out something in uh, the opening greeting. Uh, let's begin reading with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Now listen to verse 2. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. All right. Now even though Paul is going to especially promote the supremacy of Jesus, really beginning in verse 15... He begins that in a little subtle way right here in, in verse 2 in the opening greeting when he talks about being in Christ. That little phrase, those two words and phrases like it, in Him, in the Lord, in Jesus, is a powerful concept to the Apostle Paul. In fact... It occurs several times in Colossians. And he seems to intentionally begin this letter with this little comparison of being in Colossae, where they live, and being in Christ. This parallelism implies that these Christians, they may have residence 
in the city of Colossae. But more significantly, they are in Christ. And so we might say we live in the 903, our area code. Come on, we live in the 903. Haven't y'all ever heard that? All right. That's where we reside. We live in Paris, right? But more significantly, our lives are to focus on the fact that we live in Jesus, within the sphere of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he means uh, to us. And so in Christ, again, is central to Paul's understanding of salvation. What does it mean to be in Christ? Christ. Well, we can do a whole series of lessons on that little phrase. In fact, I understand that Brother Mac is preaching a class on Wednesday night with this theme of being in Christ. Well, let me suggest five things uh, that in Christ might mean or especially means here in the letter to the Colossians. It means we exclusively belong to Jesus and no other. It means that we are inseparably joined to Jesus it means that we are also joined together with others in this new family, in this new community, the church, the body of Christ. It means that the only identity that matters to God is that we are Christians. Re remember what that little word means, Christians. One who belongs to the Christ. And then finally, it means Jesus determines our behavior. Jesus is the one who determines how we live. So this little phrase, in Christ, is not just a little two-word filler that Paul throws in there in his opening greeting. But it's an important theological concept that continues all the way through the letter. And as we study through this, I think we need to remember the significance of what it means to be in Christ. Well, as the opening continues, as he, as he typically does, Paul offers thanksgiving for the faithfulness of these Christians in Colossae. Then he offers a prayer on their behalf, uh, beginning in, in verse 9. And then we get to verse 10. And in verse 10, we read the purpose of the prayer. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and please Him in every way. Right? So even though we haven't gotten to chapter 3, and we haven't really gotten to the practical part of this letter, there's some practical things in the opening greeting. And, and we find them here. And, and so Paul says the whole, the whole purpose of us praying for you as we remember you, as we hear news from you, as we learn about what is going on in your lives and in your community. All right? We pray that you will live a life worthy of Jesus. Right? The word uh, translated live a life literally means to, to tread about or to walk around. And I, I think there's something significant about not uh, forgetting this idea of walking. Right? What, what does walking suggest? Well, it suggests movement. It suggests direction. 
it suggests activity and uh, depending on how fast we're walking, uh, advancement and, and energy, all right? And I think Paul uses this word uh, three or four more times in, in Colossians. And usually the NIV translates it as live a life. But it's this idea of walking, okay? Walking with the Lord. Or to go back to our little phrase of walking in Christ. Moving along with Christ. The word uh, that's translated uh, worthy, uh, we discussed back in May in our very first lesson from Ephesians 4, all right? And you might remember that word originally uh, has to, it's a commercial word, and it has to do with, with bringing things into balance. And so to live a life worthy of the Lord is to walk in such a way that our lives are, are balanced with Jesus, all right? Again, Jesus determines our behavior because we are in Christ, then Paul goes on to suggest four traits of what this worthy life looks like. I chose the word laudable because I needed a word that begins with the letter L. Okay, So here are four traits of the laudable life. All right? Let's continue to read. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and finally, number four, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. All right? There are four words there that all end with I-N-G, okay? And those participles describe for us these four traits, four traits of bringing our lives into balance with Jesus. All right? The first one, uh, bearing fruit, I would say we live our lives in such a way that we generate good works. We generate good works. We are known uh, as a people who do good, who, who are kind. Right? What, what, does, what does fruit uh, display or demonstrate about a tree? Well, it, it, it demonstrates that the tree is healthy, that, that it's producing uh, as it is designed to do. And for those of us who are in Christ, we are designed to produce fruit, to produce good works. Right? So here, here's our first uh, homework assignment this week. Intentionally do something good. Go to Walmart and do something good. Let someone go in front of you in the line. You know, if you can't find anyone to assist a person, you assist them. I, hey, have you ever been at Walmart and someone asked you if you work there? I have. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe if I went in my three-piece suit, they wouldn't ask me that. I don't know. Right? And I'm like, do I look like a Walmart worker? I, you know, I guess I do. You know? So I try to help them. I just, I just go with it. You know? But intentionally do something good this week. Right? Produce some fruit. Right? Secondly, 
Paul says, to grow in your knowledge of God. Okay? Here, here's the way I put it on the outline. Just hang out with God. How do you get to know someone better? Well, one way is, is just to kind of hang out with them. Right? So how do, we, how do we hang out with God? Well, we immerse ourselves in His Word. We spend some time with God's people. You know, particularly those that we uh, love and appreciate and that can perhaps mentor us or influence us uh, a little bit. You know, we can, we can get out and experience God's creation. You know, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. So there are a lot of ways that we can enhance our knowledge of God. So second, second homework assignment this week is intentionally hang out with God this week. Now, I would, I would hope and, and, and would assume that all of us spend time during our week reading God's Word, spending some time in prayer, maybe 10 to 15 minute devo personal devotional time. All right, keep doing that, but do something else. All right, intentionally experience God, either through His Word, through His people, or in His uh, creation. Number three, Paul says uh, to be strengthened. And I think what Paul is saying here is tap in to the power source. I had, I had a major crisis Wednesday evening. All right? Lori is driving in from Oklahoma City. She has told me to set up her video in the classroom. I'm kind of technology challenged anyway. Jared is in Haiti. I can't, I can't even text him to ask questions, all right? So I, I, get, I get everything kind of set up, and I plug the cord into the source of power, and nothing works, nothing. So I think, okay, the power strip's bad. So I plug it in directly. Still, nothing works. I go over, he was, they were in this classroom right here, and I think, is that classroom six? Classroom six. So I tried another outlet. That one doesn't work. I, I go to the back of the room where the coffee pot is plugged in, and I turn it on and off. It doesn't come on. There is no power, even though the lights are on, in that classroom. Right. Well, by this time, I think I've said something to Kim or Tanya or somebody, and they asked James, Hanley to help me. So James comes in, and James is, I, I felt a little better because James couldn't get anything to turn on either. So finally, we had to get an extension cord and stretch it into what used to be the high school classroom in 1985 and was a kitchen at one point. And all of a sudden, things work, all right? Come to find out a breaker had been blown and that's all fixed and, and all that thing. But you've got to plug in to the source of power, right? Okay? And, and again, what, whatever the specific philosophy was, and it might have been a combination of, a, of several things, and we'll get into that more as this study progresses, these Christians in Colossae were trying to plug in to the wrong power, which Paul would say is no power at all. Okay? And so he says to be strengthened by God. Again, being strengthened in Christ. 
I think what he's saying is don't rely on your own ability. Right? I mean, what happens? What happens when we rely on our own ability? We, we might experience some success from time to time. We begin to feel good about ourselves, and then all of a sudden, boom, we fall flat on our face, and we forget what our source of power is, or better, who our source of power is. And it's God, and it's being in Christ, in Jesus, as His Spirit indwells us and works uh, through us. It's kind of interesting. He, he mentions that being... Uh, strengthened by God and, and, and tapping into that, that power source. He uses two words, uh, endurance and patience. They're, they're kind of synonyms, but if you wanted to distinguish between the two, endurance may be for difficult circumstances. You know how we um, remain devoted, we remain dedicated, we don't give up uh, so easily, and patience is perhaps for difficult people. For the crazies at Walmart, you know, all right? And just, and just learning to be patient. And again, tapping in to the proper power source. And then finally, number four, giving thanks with joy uh, in our hearts. And I think what Paul is saying, remembering to give credit to whom credit is due. Remembering that every good and perfect gift is from above. Some of you might be familiar with uh, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright. Uh, in his little book on discipleship, he, he uh, develops discipleship themes from each uh, book that we have in the, in the New Testament. And he comments on uh, verses 10 through 12 in his brief discussion of discipleship in uh, Colossians. And here's what he says about this, this particular verse. Paul now urges them to thanksgiving and to what we might call thanksgiving. Right. You know, we have a holiday once a year that we call or title thanksgiving. And we, try, we, we sang this morning, I appreciated uh, the songs that, that Stephen led this morning. Thank you, Lord. And, and so uh, we thank the Lord through singing that song. But this idea, again, as, you know, as we're growing in the Lord, as we're generating good works, as we're, as we're hanging out with God, to do it in such a way that demonstrates and declares thanks. Giving. I mean, Thanksgiving is, is, a whole, is a whole lifestyle, right? And here, here is what uh, the point is. Right continues that giving thanks becomes a vehicle through which we remember God's grace and mercy, right? right? The importance of Thanksgiving, the importance of Thanksgiving, we remember where every good and perfect gift is from. It's, it's from God. Blessings, the spiritual blessings of being in Christ. And as we remember those things, and as we give thanks, right, we're challenged to live this life of gratitude, to live this life of, of joy and thanksgiving. We're going to continue to work our way through the book of Colossians. And even though the ancient city has never been excavated, 
as, as we continue to excavate this little letter, all right, the one thing that we'll continue to see is the supremacy of Jesus and the importance of what it means that Jesus is head of the church. And we'll continue to develop this little theme of what it means to being in Christ. And I can't help but think, even, even though uh, John's gospel probably had not been written at this point, and even though the Apostle Paul had probably never read John 14, 6, Jesus had revealed himself to Paul. And, and I can't help but think, as, as Paul is writing about Jesus, reflecting upon what it means that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And just as these Christians in Colossae, over 2,000 years ago, were being tempted to, again, at best, uh, mix a little philosophy, worldly philosophy, human tradition, into their Christianity, we face the same temptations today. And so when we're tempted to maybe plug into a different source of power, to remember the supremacy of Christ, the superiority of Christ, to remember that he was involved in creation, that he is the head of the church, and that he determines how we live. And to remember to plug in to that source of power. And so this morning as we conclude... Does Jesus plot your way? Do you look to Jesus for truth? Is Jesus your life? Are, are you fully living out the significance of this wonderful blessing of being in Christ? As we continue through this series, Paul's going to tell us how we can become in Christ. But that's still about three Sundays away. So if you want to know, you've got to come back. And come back and come back and come back. All right. So we're going to stand and sing one more song. And as we sing this song to reflect each one of us, are we living in Christ? Let's stand and sing.